Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, well, it's good seeing everybody tonight. Please open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Before we get in to Acts chapter 11, I'd just like to read this. This is a letter that uh, someone sent from the Ukraine to the United States. I hear the bombs going off, windows shaking, screams from my neighbors. We are too old to flee and have nowhere to go. God is our strength, and I will not fear. I know where I'm going, so if I go, I am meeting my Savior that much sooner. I listen, I, I listen or watch Christian TV or radio, which encourages and strengthens my faith. I tell my neighbors to watch, and some do, and sometimes we get together and listen or watch, then talk about it. We need God in this country. And how true is that for every country, every nation under the stars, right? Everybody, I mean, that's just something. But, you know, God is always pouring out his grace on all people. And we just pray that they would have ears to hear and eyes to see and that that scale would be, those scales would be moved from their eyes and their heart. So we're going into Acts chapter 11. We're going to start with verse 1, so if you can read um, silently as I read out loud. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now those people of the circumcision group they were legalist, okay? They were, and it's tough to see grace where there's legalism. Jealousy, envy, pride, the works mentality is usually wrapped up in legalistic thought. It's important for you and I as defenders of the faith to be cautious and protective. And like I just said, defend the faith. But you have to remember back in these days that we're reading, under the Jewish law, you became ceremonially unclean if you ate with people who weren't Jews. And tradition said that a Gentile had to become a Jew through circumcision. That was under the Jewish law. Before we continue, the thought as I was preparing this is, do we have any jealousy or envy or pride or works mentality towards anyone that we deal with? Are you legalistic? Am I? Are you prejudiced? Am I? Towards anyone? How much grace do you have in your heart? title of tonight's message is Grace, Grace, Amazing Grace. 
And Pastor Paul and Kristen was up here practicing the sound check before. And we never, and we've said this before, we never check with each other what the message is going to be. But how many songs tonight were on grace? That was amazing. And that's the, the title of tonight is Grace, Grace, Amazing Grace. Verse 4. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord. For nothing uncommon or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. You might have heard this saying, If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And if you were here about a month ago, we read chapter 10 where we're seeing a, a rerun of what Peter said. And we pointed out last time what a contradiction that is when he said, not so, Lord. Well, if he's Lord, he's going to be Lord of your thoughts, of your actions, of your speech. And you want to say to him, not so, Lord, because he's Lord. In verse 8, remember, you can honor God in grace, in mercy, or you can be caught up in honoring God in tradition, pride, works, and mentality, works mentality. But that's not honoring God. And that's one thing we have to understand. When Jesus came on the scene, it changed. We were no longer under the law. We were under grace. But sometimes we like to put ourselves back under the law. And we have to always be um, aware of that. Verse 9. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. And one thing God was telling Peter in this verse was that the Gentiles were not unclean. Remember, that was how the Jewish people viewed them. But God was showing them it's changed. It's different now. Verse 10. Now, this was done three times, which again is important. When you see things down two or three times in the scripture, God is trying to emphasize a point and the importance of what's being said. And continuing in that verse. Verse 10, and all were drawn up again into heaven. That was the sheet was brought back up. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. We talked last time, and just a refresher, how many of us doubt when the Lord puts something on our heart? Whether it's doubting is it really God telling me this? Or is it my feelings? So it's important that whatever we think we are hearing from God, that we check it out in the scriptures. 
Because if it's the Holy Spirit telling you something, you're going to find it backed up in Scripture. And a lot of times what happens, the Holy Spirit will bring another person. There might be something you hear, something that just happens that confirms the very thing that God is putting on your heart. And I thought of that verse, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You know, may God help you and me to recognize his voice and not doubt it. Continuing in verse 12. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose sure name is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. And that's what we always pray for. That when God's word is being preached here from this pulpit, that God's Holy Spirit just falls upon the speaker and the hearers. That's so important. Because that's the only way anything's going to happen. It's through the power of God and through his grace that we're even in a position to speak or to hear what he wants us to. So there's no power present if the Holy Spirit is not present. And his anointing, which is a supernatural power of God on a person, enabling them to do something they were incapable of, incapable of doing on their own. It's God's approval. It's a stamp of approval. When God leads you or me into situations where salvation is a possibility, you know God was speaking to you. Verse 16. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look back at the last few minutes, there were three pieces of evidence that we see. One was the vision that Peter had. Two was the witness of the Holy Spirit, which was God's own testimony that he wanted to save the Gentiles. And then there was the witness of his word. See, there's always going to be a move of God's spirit. But remember, it's going to be backed up by his word. It's not going to be extra biblical. And there are churches, so-called Christian churches, that talk about extra biblical revelation. We had the prophets in the Old Testament. We had the apostles. But God speaks to us now through his son, Jesus Christ, through the word of God. So that should be our um, checking point. That's where we should go, God's word. Verse 17. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? If God made it happen, that is the way he wants it, right? He made it happen that way. He wanted it to be that way. 
It's a precious gift given by God to be celebrated and shared with others. It is not yours or mine to be shared. It's a gift. He gave that to us, not to keep to ourselves, but to share it. We should praise God when we see him gift others or raise others up. We shouldn't be jealous or envious. It's a move of God in that individual's life. We should be rejoicing that he does that in that person. The Bible says that our hearts are wicked. Who can know it? Well, God knows it. And through his Holy Spirit, he's always trying to reveal to you and me the gook that is still in our heart that we need to put down at the foot of the cross. So I just want to show this nine-second clip. Go ahead, Jim. Now, Gail Irwin, some of you know who Gail Irwin is. He's a pastor out on the West Coast. He was in India, and he was walking, walking along the road, and he smelled this foul stench. Didn't know what it was, and he looked up a little further. It was a, a cow that had died, all the maggots and everything. So it was this, the smell that was coming on him, and he couldn't believe it. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Gail, that's you before you knew me. That smell, that stench. Inside all of us is that little caption that we had before Christ. We're wicked. We're evil. It takes God shedding his grace on us to change us from the inside out. That we're now new creatures in Christ. The old is gone. But the flesh stinks. And God wants us to crucify the flesh yearly. Daily. Secondly. All the time. Right? That's so important because it wants to creep its head. And we need to crucify it. And because you have the Holy Spirit living in you, through the power of God, you can do that. Before Christ, you couldn't. We just did what we wanted to do. Emphasizing you do not want to envy others when God's doing a work in their life. We want to rejoice. Don't fight against what God is doing. Don't hinder, deny, prevent, or forbid someone from being used by God. Verse 18. When they heard these things, they became silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Now remember, these were the Jews that were questioning Peter about going into the uncircumcised house and sitting and eating with uncircumcised men. But then Peter, 
explained everything that took place. The vision that happened. The falling of the Holy Spirit on that house. And the Word of God. So these people had to make a decision. Just like you and I, when we're confronted with the move of God in someone else's life, we have to be silent. We have to seek God. We have to think about what we just saw or what we just heard. And then make a decision. Is that something of God or something not of God? And notice what they did. They glorified God, saying, And God has also granted to the Gentiles. Remember, the Gentiles were called dogs by the Jews. They were looked down upon. And he would, they were granted repentance to life. Talked earlier. How much grace do you have? How much grace do I have? How much do we show other people? There's a spiritual grace meter. Where are we? Are we empty? Are we halfway full? Are we completely full? As you draw closer to the Lord, as you spend time with Jesus, in your devotional life, in your prayer life, in your reading His Word, God is just... He's got so much grace, we can't handle it. But we want all that grace. Like Elijah said, you know, bless me with a double portion of your spirit, Lord. In Romans... Chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. God receives them whom we do not. God is showing them, receive these people. The ones that turn you off, I'm doing a work in their life. Encourage them. Be a part of their growth. Be patient. Like I'm patient with you and your growth. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Notice that it wasn't anything to do with following the law. It was just grace poured out. And that caused salvation and God opened your eyes and gave you that measure of faith to say yeah I want you Lord and notice it's not of yourselves it's a gift you can receive it or you can reject it and we can't boast about it oh look at me how I'm doing today you know I witnessed the three people of Wawa that isn't you That's God in you. Loving somebody through you. There's no change in your life after you receive Jesus. Then there's no repentance. Remember, repentance is a change of thought. It's a change of direction. And like it was said at the end of the verse in verse 18, God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. 
if there's a repentance to life, a change, a direction to life, there's also a change and a direction to death that you can choose. It's a choice. Repentance is a reversal of lifestyle and thoughts, words, and deeds. Let's go to verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So up on the screen, you can see, starting down in the Jerusalem area, right in here, and then, of course, Antioch being right here. And just that distance from Jerusalem to Antioch is 300 miles. Now, you have to put yourself back in the place of these men and women. Okay? How hard it is, is it for you and me to just go next door to share the love of God, right? These people went 300 miles and more because some of them went from Antioch to our left as we're looking to Tarsus. And Barnabas and Paul, Cyrene, all the way over here going past Egypt. Grace, grace, amazing grace that can push you from Next door, where some people go, different parts of the world. Some of the men were from Cyprus and Cyrene. So you see Cyrene to the left. Cyprus is the island. And remember Saul, who became Paul, was from Tarsus, right up in this area. Okay, but notice that some of them were men from Cyprus, Cyprus and Cyrene, and they spoke to the Hellenists, which were Greek-speaking Jews and uh, Gentiles, and they were preaching the Lord Jesus. So these people came from Cyrene and Cyprus, and they were telling about Jesus. And notice persecution cause these people to flee to different areas of the globe. Persecution did that. If there was no persecution, they would have been in their comfort zone back where they originated from. Persecution, God used it to spread his word. Isn't that amazing? And again, I think of Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good, even persecution to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We don't know these men's names. It just says these men. We don't even know their names. But they were the first missionaries to the Gentiles 
who were also called Hellenists in Antioch. Now you have to understand that Antioch was like New York City. I think there's 13 or 16 Antiochs over here, but it was like Antioch of the name of the area. But this is the Antioch that was the capital of Syria. This was like their New York City. It was immoral. It was a business center. They had all these gods. I think it was Daphne was the main goddess. So it was a mess. But yet this is where the Christian church really took birth and then went out into all parts of the world from here. In Antioch, we have the first example of Christians deliberately targeting Gentiles for evangelism. Remember when the the persecution first started, they were just targeting the Jews. Now they were going out to the non-Jews. And there was tremendous results. A great number believed and turned to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? 300 miles from Jerusalem. Things were being taken, things were taking place. Verse 22. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, notice he saw the grace of God, everybody. It was evidence. It wasn't talked about. There was visible evidence of God's grace. He was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Now, each follower of Jesus was learning more and more of God's grace. One more time. Each follower of Jesus was learning more and more of God's grace. That should be something that's happening in our individual walk. That we're learning more and more of the grace of God. The grace of God was evident because Jews and Gentiles were being saved. They saw what was happening. There were results. Jews were being saved. Gentiles were being saved. And they were growing in the grace and the knowledge and the love of God. These are great indicators that God is working in a saved person's life. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29, says, For you all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For many of you, as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew or Greek, neither slave or free, neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Think if Paul was here today in this world and he was right in this. He would say, there's no black and white. There's no red and yellow. We're all one in Christ. We're covered in His blood. But the enemy wants division. Doesn't want unity. And boy, is there division in our world today. Then born, uh, verse 25, 
Then Barnabas departed from Antioch to Tarsus to seek Saul. So looking on the map again, so Antioch, Paul had to probably go about another, I was almost probably 200, maybe a little more than 200 miles to try to find Saul, who was originally from Tarsus. Verse 26, and when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Don't lose sight of the travel time. Right? They're going two, three hundred miles, either on foot or on a donkey or on a horse or an Uber. There's, there's one of those that's happening. So it was that for a whole year, going back to the verse, so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. So isn't that cool that, imagine, Barnabas and Paul in Antioch having Bible studies with the Christians there. How cool is that? Wish they had CDs or tapes on that. That'd be a neat one to listen to. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, there's two names I want to briefly look at from the verse or verses I just read. I want to look at the word Christian and disciple. I-A-N, at the end of the word Christian, is a Latin suffix, and it means belonging to the party of. In a negative criticism, the pagan Christians of Antioch join this suffix to the Hebrew name Christ and came up with the word Christian. Today, it no longer means what it did, the word Christian, what it did back then. Back then, here's what the word Christian meant. One who has turned from his or her sins, they trust Jesus, and they read, receive salvation by grace. Today, many people call themselves Christians but are not born again. They tell you they believe in God, that they go to church, they give to the work of the church, but there is no repentance from sin, and there's no faith in Jesus who died for our sins and rose from the dead to give us eternal life. The word discipleship is a person who invests, is being invested in, and is investing in the lives of others by assembling together with them, by teaching into other lives. And another term for a disciple is a pupil or a learner. All of us, from Pastor Joe all the way down to a new believer or a a person who's not a believer yet, who's sitting in the congregation or who's listening on the Internet, you should be a learner. You're trying to learn the things of God Or you are a pupil just trying to figure out this life that you are put into. And remember what Jesus said. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. But how many religions, how many cults are telling you that they're the right way? Well, if they're the right way, then Jesus is wrong. And Jesus doesn't lie. He's the way, the truth, 
and the life. Isn't that awesome? God made it very simple. And he backed it up. He backed it up. He went to the cross. He didn't have to go. He died for you and for me. And as I said before, I've been fortunate enough to be over in Israel. I went into the tomb where they buried Jesus. Nobody's home. He's risen. He's alive. And he lives in every believer's heart. And you know that, and I know that, because he's changed us. We know he's changed us. We have a testimony of how he's working in our life. Closing up, verse 27. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Now, there's other sources outside of the Bible that talk about bad harvests and shortages of food in different parts of the empire. That empire, that included Rome, Greece, Egypt, Judea. The Jewish historian Josephus records many people died because they had no money to buy what food, what little food was available. Warren Wiersbe said the purpose of true prophecy is not to satisfy our curiosity about the future, but to stir up our hearts to do the will of God. Famine couldn't be stopped, but you could help those in need. And we see in the next, or uh, verse 29, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. Now remember, true disciples, not ones in name only. Oh yeah, I'm a disciple. I'm a deacon. I'm an elder. I'm a Christian. True disciples and true Christians give to meet others' needs. Especially those people who are hurting. They reach out. They help them any way they can. Verse 30. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now remember, Barnabas and Saul were men of good reputation. They were filled with God's Holy Spirit. They were reliable guys. They were men of integrity and good reputation. We see one race of people from a different part of the world, right? Especially when you're talking about hundreds or thousands of miles. One race of people collecting money to help another race of people. That's phenomenal. God gave a warning. God's people acted. For the past two years here, God's been warning us of the coming judgment, the coming rapture. He's telling us right from his word. Hasn't happened yet. Are we acting? Are we trying to keep bringing people into the kingdom of God? Are you asking God every day, Lord, just pour out more grace on me so that I can be about your business today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. I 
Think of that acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. What a, what a beautiful thing. God riches at Christ's expense. You just pour out your riches and your grace on us. And it's amazing. You know, you think of that, some of the songs we sang, and of course you have to think of amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. If you're here tonight or you're listening at home, God has just for the past 30, 40 minutes poured out his grace through his word. He's done it to each one of us, including me up here, who is teaching. It's his grace. It's all about him. It's not about us. So I just want to say a prayer that if there's anybody here or at home that is have not yet made that decision to receive Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, that you would do that now. So let's just bow and and just pray if this is your desire. Uh, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that you came to die on the cross to pay for my sins. Lord, I want to repent. I want to change the way I've been thinking. And I want to think like you. I want to follow you. I don't want to follow my own direction. Forgive me, Lord, my sins. The sins that I can remember and the sins that I forgot about. Wash them away, Lord. I accept what you did at the cross for my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer and you're here, we'll give you a Bible. Just come up and see me afterwards. If not, there's a number on the screen. Call the church and we'll get material out to you and we'll get you a Bible. And you can start on your grace walk. Amen. Isn't that awesome? It's good stuff. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.